Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today we have a great revenge story of getting back against some extremely hateful people. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, you took a week from me, I'll take a month from you. There's a type of customer who asks a million questions but never makes a purchase. If you're selling something, especially your own handmade products, you'll have to get used to it. Regardless, it's important to learn to respect them. These are the people who teach you how to engage in productive dialogue. But everything should be done in moderation. I came across one such customer who contacted me and immediately said, I have my company's anniversary coming up and I want to order gifts for my employees from you. 30 engraved knives. For someone like me who's struggling financially, this order was a godsend. I was thrilled and immediately said I was ready to discuss everything, promising to make the best quality and give him the biggest discount I could. He said okay, okay, gave me his phone number and asked me to call when he's available. Due to the time difference, it meant getting up at 5 in the morning for me, but fine. I woke up early and called. He greeted me with good morning, he was aware it was 5 in the morning for me, and started asking me a million questions. He asked about the steel grades I work with, the existing steel grades, and even my predictions about future steel. He asked about Damascus steel, discussed Damascus the city, the history of Syria, and the history of the art of weaponry. And now it was not 5am, but 9, that's when he ended the conversation. We hadn't discussed anything regarding his order. The next day I called him again and the same thing happened. And the day after. I started losing my temper but I really needed this order. On the fifth day I started the conversation immediately with a request to discuss his order because I had very little personal time. I had two jobs and a family. Do you know what he replied? Ah, sorry. We discussed it with the team and we decided to purchase gift baskets instead. Knives are not for everyone after all. Then what were we discussing for these five days? Why did this all happen? They said, well, you're passionate about knives and I'm passionate about them too. A good conversation is a rare pleasure. I said, do you understand that I spent the whole week on you? I hardly slept to be awake for our conversation. Why did you do this? They said, hey, you're a big boy. Why are you whining? Learn how to work with clients. Maybe I'll buy something from you later. At that point, I hung up and blocked them. But the story didn't leave me. The person took advantage of my vulnerability and simply played with me. I thought for a long time about how to get back at him, until I realized, why not let him taste his own medicine? I contacted my friends in the US and explained the situation to them. After a week, they started writing to his company with requests for placing large orders. Of course, they couldn't spend 5 hours on the phone, but they didn't need to. They simply started sending them technical specifications with endless revisions. The number of revisions kept growing, and the company spent more and more time on approvals. Budgets were inflated, and my friends agreed to any additional expenses, which would never actually happen, and somewhere within a month of this circus, they unanimously decided to stop working further, saying, Thank you, but we're no longer interested. 
The funniest part was when one of them received a call from my conversation partner and he was practically yelling at them, wondering why the heck my friend wasted so much of his time. To which he received the response, Why do you take it so personally? It's business. You couldn't convince me of the benefits of working with you? Don't call me again. Goodbye. In the end, with some ingenuity on your side, even as a small person, you can get a little bit of justice. It's not so fun when you're on the other side of things, huh? This guy's definitely some bigger business jerk who thinks that they can yank other people's chains and get away with it and it's just the price of doing good business, even though there's not even business being done here. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is, sent an adult toy to his workplace after he played me. So, basically, out of a long-term relationship, I was lonely and wanted a casual hookup situation, but not with multiple people, just no strings attached with one person. So I was on dating sites looking for someone who wanted the same thing and who I could vibe with. I ended up talking to this guy who seemed great, looked great and we vibed really well compared to others I'd spoken to. He started to make his feelings known quite soon having been in one relationship from 16 to 25. I'm not wise to men's manipulative games and so fell into the honey trap whilst keeping my guard up still a little. Anyway, he went from asking to meet all the time, planning dates, sending goodnight texts even if I fell asleep, texting me in the morning, at work, etc., and would become really offish if I couldn't reply. I have two kids and work, and again, red flags I noticed now, but thought he was just into me, to not really bothering that much and ignoring me for days so I gave him plenty of opportunities to bail if it wasn't what he wanted, and that I was happy to just keep it casual hookups if that's what was worrying him. He was a bit of a jerk about it and said he needed space the first time, so I gave it. Then he came back but still carried on ignoring me and not making effort, and then reassured me again. Treated me like a jerk the last time I stayed at his, and I left quite upset. As well as that, he had asked me if I wanted to exclusively date him, and I said, I'm happy to if he is but I saw perfume on his drawers that wasn't there before and he pretended he didn't know a girl called Lisa when I first asked about her and then changed it to she's just a girl from work. See, I was never bothered if he just wanted to casually hook up with me or that he wanted to sleep with other people. It was him that made it seem he wanted all of the romantic things and then ghosted me after I'd made myself look like an idiot chasing him and spending weeks feeling confused and hurt after I gave him every opportunity to be honest with me. I just don't get it, and I'm mad that he tried to play me like I wanted more than just hooking up in the first place, and mad that he's probably making other girls feel crap too. So it's his birthday on Sunday, and I sent an adult toy to his workplace with a note saying, happy birthday, just a little something you can kindly go and freak yourself with. Think of me when you use it. He had told me he likes butt stuff done to him so he can use it on the other girls he's making feel like crap. If he wanted out, he could have just said. Yeah, sadly, this is one of the things you kind of learn after the fact. Unfortunately, it seems like most people, as long as they're active in dating, will end up going through some kind of experience like this where in retrospect, they're like, all the red flags were there. Why did I put up with it for so long and allow that to happen? The first few times over, or if you really click with a person most of the time, you're willing to believe that, hey, this thing will patch right back up and we'll be in a good place, but... A lot of times it just doesn't work like that and you need to know when to call it. This next story is, I trolled a hacker relentlessly. One of my friends had their Instagram account hacked. 
the hacker then messaged me, pretending to be my friend, about a link to help him log into his new account. I knew it was a scam, but wanted to play along. I played along until I managed to get his phone number. The real fun started after that. I downloaded some texting apps and spam texted him from 10 different numbers under the pseudonym of Carnage. I did this so that even if he blocked me on one number, I'd still have a number of ways to troll him. I would say things like, Answer boy, Carnage is speaking to you. And you'll be begging for mercy when Carnage is done with you. He called me every swear word he could think of. I knew I got him mad. I then proceeded to spam call him from a Google Voice number with the no caller ID setting turned on, which prevented him from being able to block me. After enduring this relentless trolling, the hacker disconnected their number and blocked me on Instagram. Now, where the hacker really messed up here is they used a personal number? Or a number that they're gonna feel bad about giving up? They're not a good hacker if they're that inflexible with the phone number they're using. Our next story is, cut my hair really short just to pee off my ex-boyfriend. This isn't exactly all that big or petty, but basically I have very thick black hair and I've gotten compliments on it my whole life. I prefer to have shorter hair though because my hair is so thick that when it's long, it just becomes so annoying to deal with. Gets knotty, heavy, etc. Plus, I think I look cute with short hair. I have a long neck and square shoulders, so it looks elegant and that makes me happy. However, my ex hated short hair. Even though we met when I had a literal pixie cut, as soon as I entered a relationship with him though, things slowly started to change. The more adult entertainment he watched and the more he wanted to act out the things he watched in said films, he started becoming much more controlling about my looks. He told me I had to do squats and exercises to be tighter down there. Mind you, he's the one that had ED problems with all his partners throughout his entire life. He asked me to say certain things and act a certain way and whenever I would object, he would either force me or just guilt trip me until I gave in. But here's the thing, his strictest rule, for some unknown reason, was that I had to grow out my hair. This was so he could pull it during and literally he just wanted me to have long hair because it's what the girl's hair was like in the entertainment he watched. So at some point in our relationship, my hair starts getting long and annoying and I tell him I want to cut it shorter. It was also summer at the time so I was super uncomfy. Anyway, my ex looked at me in the eyes and flat out told me no, as if I was even asking and said, the least you can do as a girl is grow out your hair. I was stunned, to be honest. I didn't even know what to say back to him. My ex was incredibly affected by my looks. I think it's honestly what he cared most about me. He sexualized me because I'm Latina, abused me, and was deeply racist and misogynist. Thankfully, one day I woke up and realized that what I was experiencing was abuse, and I ended the relationship and got the heck out of there as soon as possible. So what's the first thing I did when we split? I cut my hair as short as I wanted it. And I'm talking way short, like almost up to my temples. I sent him a picture of my new hair and told him I loved it, that I felt amazing, and that I was getting hit on by people and pursued a lot more. He was furious. Basically, I just rubbed it in his freaking face and his anger was delicious. Imagine being a grown butt man getting upset about hair. I kept my hair short for a long time because that's how I like it. In time, my next partners were people that actually complimented my hair and loved it no matter how short or long it was. 
I still to this day remember my ex's words and anger towards me having short hair, and every day I remind myself that I will never put myself through a relationship where someone tries to control my looks. I hope he crapped his freaking pants when he saw that the first thing I did when we split was cut my hair short. Any man that loses his marbles over something so small is a weakling and a coward. God, his anger felt so good, and I just know that I was the first woman to ever defy him. I wonder where he's at today. Probably still struggling with ED and blaming his limp on other women. Freaker. I just wonder what were the redeeming qualities of this guy that you were willing to look past this for so long? Like outside of the 24-7 bad behavior, was there a sliver of nice guy there? Was it money? Was it that they looked good? Was it just an abusive stranglehold? I don't know. Our next story is called out guy who denied flirting just for fun. The other day I was having a really rough time. My fiance and I are stuck in a shelter right now for our safety. Two weeks in an outdoor shelter with no privacy, except to pee or shower around hundreds of people, will break you down. I was at a point that all the noise was making me bawl my eyes out and we were just picking up a phone from the changing room before leaving to get some air and therapy sessions. Fiance is inside and a guy comes up to me trying to flirt. I mention I'm with fiance and his response is, I'm from LA where we don't care about that. I reject three attempts to get my info and without really thinking I type his number into a random note so he sees me do it and hopefully goes away. Finally his attention goes elsewhere and he leaves me alone. I know he probably couldn't realize how upset I was, but we've all seen it when a person is pale, near tears, their voice is shaky, I just looked like I was about to break and it was obvious I'd been crying all day. The next day we're in the same line. Fiance goes in, they let a certain amount of people in at a time, and I'm sitting outside. Guy from before takes a step close to me and under my breath, I say don't do it. But he seems to hear that because he stops in his tracks and goes around me to the back of the line. I call fiance and ask him to hurry back just in case. I made it clear that he wasn't currently bothering me but just wanted to feel okay. When he gets out, he respectfully asked the guy if it was me he hit on. Guy denied it and got hostile and fiance apologized, explained his only intention is to ask whoever it was to not do it again because we're really struggling right now. But I'm the petty one and I'm annoyed that he denied it when he'd been staring at me in line for 10 plus minutes, pulled up notes, saw I still had his number and put it in text now, called it and his phone rang to which I said it was me calling the guy who gave me his number yesterday. We didn't push it further, I just wanted to prove my point to my fiancé and the nosy busybodies watching because they love drama. Haven't seen him around since then, luckily. Also, TextNow is a fake number app, so he didn't get my real info. You gotta love when people get caught red-handed like that. They're like, no, 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 it wasn't me. Oh, well, sir, is this your written confession saying, yes, it really was me with this headshot of you left directly at the scene of the crime? The best is when people in those situations still deny that that undeniable evidence was ever them. This next story is, delivery guy gets HR'd and ruins his reputation. So I was debating whether to post this here, because my friend said that petty revenge is only meant for- Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. For things that go further than what's justified... And what I did was not only fully justified, but the majority of it was caused by him trying to get back at me and digging a deeper hole for himself. So at my last job at an overnight gas station, I was used to dealing with a lot. I'm a small guy whose gender can be read as almost anything. Man, woman, sometimes I get called an it by others and I don't care. For this story, what's relevant is I wear a religious hair covering called a veil. I'm not Muslim and men do wear a veil in my religion along with my cane that I have as a disabled man. I had a guy at this job who delivered the newspapers. He was always really rude, but nothing to write home about typically. But eventually he decides to take his crappy workday out on me, screaming at me for wearing a pirate costume, my veil plus the collapsible cane on my belt on top of my work uniform, for five straight minutes. I stand there quietly through it. What he doesn't know is I'm not just someone who will roll over and let him do what he wants. I was put on the overnights because I could handle the kind of situations that arise on my own. I had people coming in trying to buy a woman of the night because of a previous worker there that had caused a lot of issues for the company. If I could handle that, I can handle an old boomer that doesn't like my clothes. So he leaves, and leaves the papers he came to deliver with his company phone number attached. After work I call the number, get passed around the office to about 6 people to make the report over 2 hours find out that the number had actually connected me to the partner company than the one he works for, get transferred to the other company, the one he actually works for, tell them I was yelled at for two separate legally protected classes and that it was on camera. That night, he was supposed to come apologize. Instead, he calls his CEO who he knows personally to complain about me. This guy is upper middle class as it's a smaller company, he's not calling a millionaire or anything. But the CEO knows how badly it could go for his company that his employee is on camera screaming at an autistic, physically disabled worker for wearing religious hair coverings while on the clock. So I get my apology. From the CEO of this small delivery business instead. Months later I find out he's trying to trash my reputation by saying I run to HR at the drop of the hat. But I've built a reputation of handling crap myself, in very bad situations. So his attempts just make everyone think he sexually harassed me. I never claimed that he did and still don't, but the way he was talking about me is what made people assume. I'm at a better job now. I'm writing this post while on break from the hospital. Gonna wrap this up and go see if anyone needs any blankets or pillows. I'm just a housekeeper for now, but I'll work my way up. And he's still working for the old company. 
trashing his reputation. I'll tell you what, this guy must be great at his job, or he must be that close with the CEO of this company, for them to go and do this stuff and still have that level of job security. Somebody who's doing just so much as a delivery job, I feel is very replaceable if they start creating headaches for the appearance of your entire corporation. Our next story is making the best of a bad pairing. I travel often for work, and whenever possible, I bring my golf clubs to make my trips more bearable. This usually leads me to play solo with random golfers, and luckily I've had a great streak of pleasant pairings, thanks to the grace of the golf gods and my easygoing nature. However, my streak came to an end during my recent visit to Grand Rapids. I was eagerly looking forward to playing Pilgrim's Run, a course I'd wanted to play for a while. Unfortunately, my luck took a turn when I was paired with a husband and wife duo, and I sensed trouble from the tee box. We started on the 10th hole, a short par 4 where it's clearly designed to hit less than a driver and position the ball in an accessible part of the fairway before a straightforward pitch to the green. To my surprise, the husband who seemed to be in his late 50s initially walked towards the forward tees, then realized the distance and returned to the tees I was playing from, driver in hand. The starter and I exchanged a knowing glance. My streak was about to be broken. The husband dribbled his driver off the tee and off we went. Cue Stephen A's voice. However, the wife turned out to be a sweetheart and a surprisingly solid golfer. While she was not a good golfer by any means, she consistently got her weight onto the front side and made solid contact. Fast forward to the 10th green, our first hole, and the husband began berating his wife for unintentionally walking through my line and talking during my putt. Although these things didn't bother me and I made sure to let her know, by the third hole, the husband had developed a routine of taking five practice swings before every shot, going through an elaborate pre-shot routine, changing clubs multiple times, and continued to scold his wife for infractions that he himself was committing, talking during my swing, walking in my line, and so on. He made three excuses for every terrible shot and stubbornly played from the same tees as me, despite not hitting his driver as far as my 5-iron. He would drop off his wife at her ball, and then leave her to walk or rely on me for transportation. He got upset when we were put on the clock, and blamed our delay on stopping to get food, conveniently ignoring the 2-3 to three fairway mulligans he was taking on each hole, and the list went on. As the round progressed, I found myself in a difficult situation with nowhere to escape as the group ahead of us was a foursome. I had to do something. That's when I decided to blow so much smoke up the wife's butt, she was on the brink of carbon monoxide poisoning. I began calling her BMW, short for a driving machine. Every time she made contact with the ball, I made her feel like a member of the Ryder Cup team making the final stretch down the 18th hole. Regardless of what the husband did, I completely ignored him. It became a game within a game for me, trying new and insidious ways to mind-freak the guy. It took only a hole and a half for him to start getting annoyed, and by the time we made the turn, I was certain he was having a miserable time. In the end, I shot 8 over, and his wife claimed it was the best she had played in years. Unfortunately, I never did find out how the husband fared. I love this story simply for the sole fact that this guy was a total jerk that OP through their actions made feel insecure or not special enough. 
This guy probably stepped up to every hole after OP started complimenting the wife, trying their best to just hit that thing the hardest they've ever hit it before. And I bet every time they try to step it up, OP's absolute silence on it killed them inside just a little bit more. I just love that OP worked this guy up into clearly seeking and needing OP's approval. This next story is Spite Fence. After reading a Wikipedia link someone else posted on another petty revenge story, I thought I'd share this story. We live on six acres of wooded property that's on a small, tranquil lake. Our house sits on a small hill overlooking our property frontage, about 400 feet from the water. Along one side, our property borders a very isolated portion of a state park, which is also on the lake and includes protected wetlands. On the other side, you can just barely see a couple of the neighbor's houses through the trees. One of those neighbors, next door, JNA is also on the lake along with six other houses. Just before we bought this property, JNA, who are nature lovers, had a lovely screened-in porch built off of their bedroom so they could enjoy their coffee in the mornings and a glass of wine in the evenings while looking out over the beautiful natural landscape, which is our property plus the state park's property slash wetlands all teeming with minks, herons, turtles, deer, etc. JNA's house is on a well-manicured quarter-acre lot. They have a beautiful little pollinator garden and other animal-friendly plants, flowers, etc. When we were in the process of buying this house, we couldn't help noticing a huge, unstained wood fence that was 8 feet high and only about 15 feet long plopped down on the property line and not attached to anything. No other fence, nothing, just plopped. It looked so weird. Like, why the freak would anyone put that there? We asked the seller about the fence, and he told us that J and A had cut down a whole bunch of vegetation on his property, without permission, and now, instead of a beautiful greenery, he had to look at J and A's house. So he had a fence built to hide it, and keep them from looking into his house. Well, you could still see J and A's house, and an ugly ridiculous fence. Coincidentally, he built that fence right in front of their newly built screened-in porch, so all JNA could see was that ridiculous fence. Now that's some petty revenge. Shortly after moving in, I met Jay and asked him why that ugly fence was there, and he told me pretty much the same story as the previous owner, only that the vegetation he removed was on his property. After some more conversation about the ridiculous fence, I told him he could remove it if he wanted to and I wrote a signed letter giving permission to remove it. Half an hour after I gave him the letter, the fence was down. I couldn't believe it happened so quickly. The reason why I gave so much detail about the property is to magnify how much more petty the previous owner was. There is so much untamed land all around, yet he was so concerned about 15 feet of vegetation that may or may not have been his. I feel like the experience comes with living in that neck of the woods. If they were upset that on this open, untamed land that you could see another house, then they should have saved the expense of putting the fence down and just moved somewhere else. Go live in some other place where you can put 8-foot privacy fence all around your property. This next story is Dishonest University Deputy Vice Chancellor. I was an executive recruiter and was engaged by a very large, non-US university to hire a director for their technology transfer team. I was paid one-third up front. After working on the brief for six months, it was a seriously tough one to fill, mainly because the salary was poor, I was still chasing a signed contract. I guessed correctly that the deputy vice chancellor of the university hadn't got approval to engage me, but figured that he was senior enough to ensure I was paid. 
Fast forward nine months, and my client, the DVC, resigns and is replaced by a woman who immediately cancels the assignment. They had already met six candidates, but five withdrew and one candidate, let's call him Carl, refused to fund himself to move internationally. There wasn't much more I could do, so I went on my way. One year later, 24 months after I'd started the assignment, I find out through a network that Carl was in the role. They had gone behind my back and hired him, this time paying for his relocation. I made contact with my lawyer, an employment specialist, and told him everything. I said I had no signed contract. He asked, do you have proof of the work you did? Indeed I did. About 500 pages of records including Carl's and all six candidates, formatted CVs and consultant notes. My lawyer met their lawyer, who absolutely exploded at the new DVC's dishonesty and unethical behavior, and eventually the university senate approved my payout of about 2.5 times the full recruitment fee, minus my lawyer's costs. This definitely was what they needed to do from the get-go. Honestly, they're very lucky that this didn't evolve into something much bigger than just paying out what OP was really owed. Our next story is, would I be the jerk if I took all my Legos to my dad's house? I love Legos, they're my favorite thing, but I'm very messy with them and my mom hates it. But today my mom called me when I was at my dad's and I had a 15 minute rant about how I'm a horrible person and that I have no respect and if I do it again she would send me to my dad's house forever. I want that. Context. I hate my mom. Something my mom hates is when I take my Legos from her house to my dad's. So after my mom gave me her 15 minute rant, I decided I might bring all of my Legos, every single brick of Lego to my dad's just to annoy her. I know she'll blow up on me, but it would be worth it. Should I do it? Update for all who care. First cog, wow. I didn't realize this would blow up so much. Secondly, I'm going to do it. I'm currently packing up my Lego. I'll update you all when I've done it. So I don't know how old OP is or how their dad necessarily feels about having all those toys or Lego brought over, but I would say yeah, it sounds worthwhile to do it. As long as the dad's cool with it, I'd rather have all my prized Lego sets or bricks over at his place and away from where the mom can even try to do some kind of revenge against you because it's weird how they're flipping out here. I feel like somebody that upset about it would be quick to try to junk them before you could take them away. Our next story is, my dad, trans, has discovered how to beat transphobes in the south. Someone said this should go here. We're currently in the south visiting family. When we were at a restaurant, my dad, female to male, had to go to the bathroom. I'm not entirely sure how, but a guy in there determined that he was trans and went shouting to the barman to kick my dad out. My dad, instead of trying to win that argument in a bar full of southerners, decided to go to the complete other direction. He channeled his inner southern righteous fury and went off on that man for accusing him of being a transgender, demanded he be kicked out, and called the guy an agent of Satan. Long story short, it worked. Got the other guy and his family kicked out and got a free beer for his troubles. I thought the sub would appreciate that. I should mention that my dad has been trans for 45 years and is the most passing person you've ever met. That's why I say I'm not sure how, unless the guy straight up looked over the stall door, there's no way to tell. Honestly, I'm willing to bet that this guy maybe did peek. Honestly, I don't see any other way for this guy to assume that OP's father was beyond being a total creep and peeking. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another absolutely awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. 
That's it. I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.